the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. We've partnered up with the movie Chick Fight to give five winners a free digital copy of the new action comedy starring Bella Thorne, Malin Ackerman, and Alec Baldwin. When Anna Wincombe is introduced to an underground all-female fight club in order to turn the mess of her life around, she discovers she is much more personally connected to the history of the club than she could have ever imagined. Chick Fight is available in theaters, on digital, and on demand now. Visit Girls Gone Boss on Instagram and Facebook to enter the giveaway. Welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Boss. Alex. Hey, Gabby. How are you? I've had a crazy week. Let me just start Uh, with that. Please start. Okay. So if people don't believe that Mercury in retrograde is real, it's real. I am here to tell you that it's actually real. So let me tell you about my crazy week. I've broken two computers, two, 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 two of my computers this week, right? And I've broken my toes. So your toes. Yes. So as you can see, because Gabby and I can see each other right now on the Zoom, um, I'm doing the podcast recording from my bed, which I usually don't do. I usually do it like in a different setting. I'm completely in, in like a very quiet room. I'm working on a table and now I'm on my bed because I have to keep my foot elevated. I broke my toe and the joint of the bone that connects a toe to the foot. What? How did you yes. do that? And girl, this is like the third time I break my feet. It's like, it's a reoccurring thing every like five years for me. And I don't understand what's wrong with me. But I, it was like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, Riley had woken up. She was screaming her head off. I went to go get her. I brought her back in my bed because I was just exhausted. And at like six in the morning, I give her to Ryan and I go to the bathroom, but it was pitch dark. And I was trying to be really, really, really quiet because Riley had fallen asleep. And on my way back from the, from the bathroom, I slip. And I split my toes on the bottom part of the, the, the bed leg. And my feet, my toe, Gabby, my toes actually split open and they were like oh a God. big V. No, it gets worse. That's just not even the worst part. So then I have everybody, by the way, this is like gory, but keep going. Okay. So then, <laughs> yeah. So then <laughs> Very appropriate. I'm trying not to scream because I don't want to wake up the baby. So I'm like, Ryan, I broke my feet. Because I already knew. I didn't like have you saw, Wait, you saw it go into a V? Like it no, no, broke? no, no, no. So I saw that after when I finally looked down. So I was in so much pain, but I was trying not to scream. And I told Ryan to please wake up. I think I broke my feet. So I he puts Riley down and he goes and turns the lights on. And my foot, my toes were in the shape of a V, but a very wide V. And he's wow. like, he's like, Alex, they're for sure broken we need to put it back in place. And I was like, okay, it can't be worse than childbirth. So he grabs me a towel. He's like, here, bite on this. I'm going to crack your foot back in place. And he put it back in place. And the noise that it made is the grossest noise I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm not even laughing. I'm sorry. No, not, no, no. I'm not- But then he's like, okay, you need to go to the hospital or whatever. You need to go to the doctor right now. I was like, I can't. I have a budget presentation at 10 a.m. And there's no way in hell that I'm going to miss that presentation because earlier that week, my computer had broken down on me twice, two different laptops when I was about to present my budget for 2021 to all of the execs. So it's like, there's no way I'm canceling this meeting. I will look so bad and like I'm using an excuse to get out of it. So I mustered up. I did the meeting and then I went to the hospital. Yo, that yeah. is like what a real boss is with a broken toe. You're giving your budget presentation. Yeah. Yeah. In pain because you must have been. In- it was. Um- yeah, it was. In, I was in so much pain. I was throbbing. But anyway, here we are, and I'm on the bed recording a podcast. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. insane. You must have hit yourself so hard that you split it open. Right? I know. How fast are you going? I, I didn't think I was. I didn't. I don't know. I don't know. It was all, it's all a blur. I don't understand. But yeah, just my luck. So Mercury and retrograde is real because there's no, how can you possibly go through, through, through two laptops in just a week, right? 
Yeah, no, it's insane. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, my story is not going to obviously top or trump yours at all. Um, I also had some retrograde action going on. Um, it never happened to me. You know, I have a new car now. And um, usually my old car, I, I hate, I don't know about you, but I hate getting gas. Right. I, like I, I, I despise so getting gas. Yes. I wait till the last minute. So I'm yeah. usually like, just kind of like e? living on I'm living on the edge. But the other car, I could live on the edge for a while and it was good. I was good. This one, I was, oh, I'll make it. I'll make it. I was in the turnpike and I ran out of gas. No. And I'm like, oh my God. I literally ran. I, I, yeah. And so I had to call the AAA. I waited for an hour and a half, but it's never happened. Like usually I can gauge when I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I have another Yeah, because you know, you know, you're a trusty car. You're, t you had a camera right. before, it's right? Not, yeah, girl, like you're going to run out of gas. And I ran out of gas and I never, that's never happened to me. So I was like, oh my God, it's Mercury retrograde. I remember thinking like, this is it, but nothing compares to a broken toe. Honey, oh. you take that trophy. Thank you. Thank you. Even Ryan yeah. was very impressed with me for, for the way that I handled the pain. He's like, I don't know how you even let me do this. <laughs> Put it back in place. Yeah. We're only a few months away from 2021. Over, so hopefully we get into more positivity. <laughs> yes. And turn this around. But today we have a special guest who hopefully she's having a better time than we are. Not running out of gas or breaking any toes. Um, so she's a marketing and communications expert. She's an author, a professor at FIT. Um, Sabrina Mar Marzaro lives between Paris and New York City. And she's had ex extensive experience in the luxury and communications uh, field. She's worked with companies such as LVMH, Reichmont. I don't know if I'm saying it right. McCann. We'll get into it. Welcome to the show, Sabrina. Welcome, Hi. Sabrina. Did I just you look so fabulous. And I think it's so fitting because you're in Paris right now, right? I am. Yeah. You are. How is thank God for Zoom, right? <laughs> yes, thank God for Zoom because we can be here together. So tell yeah. me, right now, the country went back on lockdown, correct? Yeah, so talking about Mercury and retrograde, there yeah. we go. <laughs> there, yeah, there we go. So tell us about how that, that that's how life is in Paris right now during quarantine. Um, it's really strange, I have to admit. I spent the first wave of the pandemic in New York City, actually, and so... Um, It, they, the restrictions, you know, obviously we were asked to stay home as many of us did, but here it's another level where you literally need a permission slip to step outside. <laughs> and so just psychologically, it's, it's really challenging, especially that first night. I literally, I was just crying because I was like this, I, as an entrepreneur, especially, I can't even handle like being in a corporate role with structured boss, et cetera. And so it's like, if, all of a sudden, all of my freedom is taken away from me completely, you know? And so it's been interesting adapting the last few days and realizing like, okay, you know what, actually I can handle this. Like what sort of rituals can I put in place? What are the different, you know, things that I can do to take care of myself so that mentally and emotionally and physically I'm, I can do well throughout oh, this. I can't even imagine what it's like having to get up permission slip to go outside so like what happens if you run out of groceries so the thing is that you have a paper you're allowed to go out to exercise for one hour a day you're allowed to go out for groceries and to the pharmacy and to the doctor but you need to sign exactly the hour the time that you're leaving your address you can't go more than a kilometer away from your home unless you're going to a specific doctor etc but who's mandating that like how does that even how how would they know if you spend more than like an hour at the gym or like if you're going to somebody's house rather than right back home how do they mandate that well they have like police around wow. that do check uh, and even especially if you're driving out of the city they have people there they stop you and check your papers yeah Yeah, um, it's similar to like, there's there's stuff like that happening in New York City. Like when you travel and come back to New York, they assign someone that comes and makes sure you have to quarantine for about 14 days. 
once you come back into the States yeah. and there's some, they send someone to check on you. Like they can randomly come and knock at your door and make sure that you're home. And if you're not home, you get fined. So oh. um, they're doing things like that in different States. It just depends. So, so I think what Paris is doing is extreme, but I think that's the only way to kind of control this virus. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah. Sabrina, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you why Paris, like what brings you to, I mean, I know you're, you know, just tell us a little bit more about your background and then tell us like, why is it that you're always back and forth from New York to Paris? By the way, I just wanted to let you know that this year I was supposed to go to Paris to celebrate my 40th and the pandemic hit and I didn't. And I've been obsessed with Paris for such a long time. So I can see and relate to your probably obsession. But let's get into you and to your background and how you landed in Paris. With pleasure. So the first time I visited Paris, I was about 10 years old. And for whatever reason, I I just knew that I felt at home here, which I've never experienced. And, and since I haven't experienced that really somewhere else. And so I knew from that moment on that someday I would move back to France and I'd build my life here. So um, I grew up in the States, first in California, then Connecticut. And I spent my last year of high school studying abroad in France and came back uh, for study abroad in university for a year. And then as soon as I had my diploma, I moved here, which was to build my career. Um, and the last few years, I've just had different entrepreneurial projects that have sort of pulled me back to New York though. <laughs> so it's like Paris is still my base, but yeah, I've, I've had to go. I, I opened a restaurant with my father in New York City. Um, I went, had to go teach for a year at FIT. So now it's like, I have just accepted, I'm just going to forever live between the two places. <laughs> I love it. And, um, and I love the fact that you um, found us on direct message and you contacted us and we really felt compelled to talk to you because you have an interesting story and it's all about also taking risks and doing things that like are, are, are different because like you said you've worked with luxury brands you have your own company and then you're also an author so you kind of diversifying yourself and i think for our listeners that's that's so valuable because we always think that oh i'm just doing this and this is it well that you are living a life of um freedom in a sense and risk taking and sometimes those are the best things in order to, to make our dreams come true so um and speaking of paris um it's the backdrop to the book that your first book right yeah um, tell us about swiping for prince charming and what inspired you to write that book so um, Swiping for Prince Charming uh, is an illustrated tale of a woman's search for love through dating apps. And so in essence, uh, it's one very long poem. It's sort of like a picture book for adults. And it's very sex in the city. It's very fun, glamorous. And for me, it's meant to be something like an instant pick-me-up with this deeper message about learning to, to love yourself in the process. Um, I originally wrote it just uh, very serendipitously. There's like this crazy story, which is completely true, about how I, I was supposed to go and have lunch with an ex that I hadn't seen in months that I was still head over heels for. And um, I was so anxious and stressed leading up to this day that I literally woke up and had made myself sick and had come down with a fever. And so I was sitting there journaling, writing out just all my frustrations and like how, you know, about dating and men and life and the entire text literally poured out of me in that moment, just like in this sort of like as if I were a vessel and just this creativity that flowed out of me. And I knew instantly that I had to transform this into an illustrated tale because so many other women would be able to relate. And we're all going through so many of these, these challenges that are essentially timeless realistically, but I think even um, exacerbated because of the world we live in today and dating apps and the internet. So I just wanted to make something fun and positive out of it that could help. So Sabrina, is the main character of your book based on your actual all of your life story, like different stories with from different relationships, or is it just focused on one past relationship or just different dating stories? 
So it's really based on um, my own experiences dating over the course of uh, a year and a half, even um, <laughs> a year and a half, two years. So all the different types of men that this main character encounters and the different problems that arise or and yeah, the entire process. So it is very Carrie Bradshaw. You are the real life Carrie Bradshaw in a sense, right? Thank you. <laughs> I'd, try to th- I'd like to think that the book sort of encapul- encapsulates that spirit. So. Right, right. And how has, how has dating as an American in Paris been some type of culture shock in any sense or has it been easy? Because I can only imagine that French men are very different from American men. Yes, for sure. Yeah, there, how is that? There have definitely been, um, I don't want to say cultural clashes, but misunderstandings at times. Yeah. <laughs> um, I One of the biggest things for me that was sort of a shocker is because, you know, in America, very frequently, when you start dating and, you know, you're just sort of going one or two dates with a few different people, seeing who you have chemistry with. And if you have someone that you start to feel like there's a real connection, you see each other regularly, eventually you sit down and have the talk, you know, like, are we in a relationship sort of thing? So, uh, you know, after a while I was seeing this guy and at one point I, I turned to him and I was like, so, uh, I was wondering if you wanted to keep seeing other people or if you just wanted us to be exclusive, like, you know, in a relationship. And he turns to me and goes, uh, it is very soon for this, no? And I was like, oh, never mind. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I was like, please just forget that I ever said anything. Like, this is really uncomfortable. He's like, no, no, no. But these are two separate questions. He's like, because do I want to see anyone else? No. Do I want us to be boyfriend, girlfriend? Um, it is soon. <laughs> I was like, okay, then clearly I'm just gonna, I have no idea what to say to this point, you know? Oh, I could only imagine you were probably mortified, but but yeah, the um, culture is so different. <laughs> it was, yeah, no, I was like, please just let me crawl under a rock right now and never be seen again. <laughs> oh, I've had plenty of moments like that where I want to crawl under a rock. You know, I, I, I think that, um, once you get to know Gabby a little bit more, she's, she's really in love with love, right? That's what I want to say about Gabby. I am. So I, I have, I already have a, a future vision of Gabby next year. Once quarantine is done or once everything's back to normal, she's going to go visit you, Sabrina. And you gotta, you gotta introduce Gabby to a lot of French men. I would be more than delighted to. She's going to get herself a French boo. <laughs> I love it. Definitely. I have a question, Sabrina, but yeah. is there a Prince Charming? Does that is that real? Like, or are we living in a fairy tale? Or is this fairy tale that we imagine in our heads true? Because that's kind of like what we've been taught since little, right? That we're gonna find this Prince Charming from just the, the, the movies that we watch and the stories that are told to kids. But is that real or something or or is that setting us up for failure? Are we just putting ourselves like, is there too much expectation? I um, think oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, let us know because I mean I just like Alex said, I'm in love with love. And I'd like to think there is. But you know, there's a lot of frogs too, Sabrina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no prince, honey. Let me tell you. American <laughs> frogs, French frogs, they're they're no, everywhere. um I totally understand and empathize because I'm in love with love as well so I feel you I think that you're right that especially growing up there's so many of the films that we watched that really advocated for this idea of the perfect fairy tale ending and I think that is there a real Prince Charming we have to accept that clearly no one is perfect so it's about finding someone that for me, like in all, you love them in all their imperfections. And so that they support you and help you evolve and grow and inspire you. Um, so in that essence, you can find someone that in your eyes can be your perfect match or your Prince Charming. But I do think fairy tales exist. And I know this is like cheesy, but even I remember one of my exes, I asked him one time, like, oh, tell me about like one of your favorite memories as a kid. And he's like, it's funny because you romanticize everything, like every aspect of life. And I was like, well, 
I can't help it. Like for me though, a real fairy tale is when you see a, a couple that's maybe 85 years old that's still holding hands, sitting on a bench and still deeply in love. That is real magic. And that is something that is so beautiful and it doesn't come easily, but if you can achieve it, that's worth fighting for, you know? But love as we see it before is, is I feel different from how love is now, especially because of social media and just the access to um, apps and dating. And it's just so different. Um, like before when our grandparents were getting married, it was, you know, people would get courted. Um, it was a lot more chivalry going on um, and just love took a shift. So, and unfortunately we're living in that generation. Do you feel chivalry is dead? Do we, do you feel like we can revive it? Do you feel like um, love can be rebranded? I think love and, and dating and relationships need to be rebranded in 2020. We need to start a clean slate with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got to, I wanted to get your perspective on that because I also feel that you being in Paris, it's like the city of love, right? Oh, so, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so I just don't want to kill all the romantics that are listening because I think love is is the essence that keeps us like fighting and 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 you know even like a, like girl bosses that we are love is what keeps us going like our kids our husbands our family. So is chivalry dead and how can we rebrand love and mm-hmm. and make it something that is like what it used to be, you know, and so that we can be 85 and hold hands and 85 and still have conversations while we're eating lunch. Cause you know, nowadays I see people too, like eating lunch with their partners and they're all both on the phone, you know, swipe, not swiping, I hope, but <laughs> um, you know, looking at you know, Instagram or something. It's sad. Yeah. Uh, entirely. I think that chivalry is not dead. It is much more rare to find it though, admittedly. Um, but I mean, maybe I shouldn't be impressed when a guy offers me an Uber home sort of thing. Like, to, But to me, that's, those are, there's different small gestures that I think that someone that's really thoughtful will go out of their way to, to show you that they care about you and can be respectful and honest. And I think that nowadays, um, especially things have shifted so much since, for instance, the time of our grandparents, because we're in a totally different society also where women are so much more independent and have their own careers. And so there is this different dynamic that's created. Um, and so I think that our needs as women have also evolved. And again, it goes back to wanting to find someone that can, that it's not no longer just, oh, I need to marry someone that will be a good provider and support our family, et cetera. Now it's like, I want someone that fulfills me as my best friend, as, as my Someone, my my rock, someone that supports me and inspires me and makes me want to work harder too. So in terms of how do we revive it, I think it's just learning, finding already people that have good values and and having those open, honest conversations is so essential to be able to to get back to those thoughtful gestures and finding the right person. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mentioned the whole independent thing, I do also think we can be at fault sometimes. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, us women um I don't know if you were like this Alex in your dating you know scenarios or when you were dating Ryan like you know oh I got it or don't worry like because sometimes like you know you don't I don't know why this is ingrained in like at least for me I don't want to feel like I'm a needy person or that I need you for something like I want to already have it or like I got it like don't worry like but at the end of the day, men, it's very traditional. Like the, the gender roles are very traditional, even though we don't want them to be because we are kind of shifting in the way that we, we think about our professions. And it kind of like bleeds into our relationships as far as like our independence. But men typically want to feel like protectors and providers. Um, and we as independent women have to allow that in a way without feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to lose control or um, he's going to take advantage of me or he's going to think I'm weak. And um, so I think it's also changing the way that um, us women approach relationships. Maybe it shouldn't be approached the same way as we approach business. Well, I think that's where the rebrand comes in. No, because we have to kind of 
reset our minds into the new way that love just transpires like generation after generation like you said it were were independent hardworking women that wasn't the case back in the day they were stay-at-home moms a lot of things have changed therefore the I think the the I don't want the the right word is not perspective but the expectation of love is just completely different than it ever used to be and we I think you're, I like that you said that Gabby we have to rebrand love I like that yeah and rebrand it in a sense of where we can be vulnerable with it as as powerful women because yeah. I think the type of women that we all are, the type of women that are listening, the type of women that look for podcasts like this are women that are go-getters or independent. They, they want to be self, you know, provide for themselves, self-proficient. They, they don't necessarily want a man to, um, for financial reasons or because they don't want to really pursue anything. They, they want a man to help complement them on the partnership. Um, you know, they want a potential, um, business partner too or like you know I want somebody that is going to be um motivating inspiring a dreamer like me you know kind of finding someone similar to you but at the same time I know that sometimes I could be a little bit like too like too much in a sense but I know a lot of my friends tell me like no you're not like you the man that wants to be with you will accept you but we have to take accountability sometimes if we do become a little bit too much in the sense of you know to like wanting to take control like let the man make the decisions where are we going to dinner oh babe wherever you want to go I'd love to see what you surprise me with guys love to take a little bit of control of decision making or sometimes they want if they ask you hey where do you want to go just like hey I want to go to Taco Bell or whatever um it just depends. I think I'm going on a rant right now at this point. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I think that what I've realized is that like how much many men appreciate just feeling needed. And like, as you said, as women that we want to be independent, but the few times that I finally will even ask like for business advice to the guy I'm dating and like, Hey, could you, could you direct me some, tell me, teach me a little bit about this for SEO, et cetera. And it makes him so happy to be able to help and guide me in any way. And it makes him feel like fulfilled in a way as well. So that's a gift in our accepting our embracing that vulnerability and asking for help. And exactly, that's exactly what I mean. And um, not being that overbearing person that's like, no, I got it. Or when they try to like take you out to dinner and they pull out the card, you're like fighting with them with the card. And like that is just, it's, I guess it's cute. Yes. We, we, we want to seem like we aren't taking advantage of you, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, we have to also let them take care of us, you know? And, and if you are an independent woman, you obviously have your own stuff, but it's okay to let the man treat you, you know? I mean, I don't know if, if you ever did that, but I've seen girls that like fight their man to like, who's going to pay. I'm like, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> I, I definitely used to do that with Ryan in the beginning of our relationship and we've talked about it like after the fact and he's like he he did express to me that he didn't always like that because it made him feel less than like he wasn't able to you know um, but he, I mean we've known each other for a long time prior to us even dating so he knew that it wasn't really like I wasn't really like that but that I, he did appreciate the effort of me wanting to pay at least that mm-hmm. he has said so that's I think that's important but I, I'm more thinking like in the dating stages when a guy's supposed to be courting you mm-hmm. because once you're in a relationship that's it you're a partnership like obviously I got you you got me like want to go to Puerto Rico I got it or let's go to France you got it like obviously you're in a partnership but when you first start courting I feel like you have to allow the man to lead and you have to allow him to treat you and pay and that's kind of like part of his role in that phase of the relationship I feel Sabrina if I'm wrong let me know I mean I just I mean I can understand that I think that everyone's expectations are so different and depends so much on their personal upbringing because I've seen men behave so differently when it comes to that that financial aspect in the courting they're certain that from the get-go they assume that it's going that it's going to be split there are others that uh, that think that it, they should be the only ones that are covering the, the bill at dinner, for instance. So I think that has so much to do with the specific person 
but it's hard to put because they are those guys that do expect it and they may think like oh no she's just one of those girls that wants a free meal it's just so confusing well I have a question for both of you actually now because both of yours are single um and currently date or trying to date during COVID times have you guys ever experienced a guy that when they when you're on a date and when they bring the bill it's on the table and it's the most awkward moment and nobody's actually picking up the bill and then you have to pick up the bill because he won't pick up the bill has that ever happened to you guys um not specifically but I do remember one guy that I went on a date with in New York that um like I don't drink very often and so I just had ordered like a sparkling water and he he had ordered some like coca-cola I guess or something I don't know and the waiter came over to ask if we wanted to eat and before he could even like get a word in I I could even respond or anything he he responded for me being like no 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 we're good thank you and sort of like trying to push and then I could tell and I think he wanted to split the bill for the water too and I was just like wow okay (laughs) like very elegant. <laughs> well, that's where my question comes from because prior to dating Ryan and and being in a relationship with him, I went on a date with this with this one guy who asked me out on a date. I ordered a house wine and so did he, and then when the bill came, he wasn't picking it up, so I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll grab it." Cause it had been like an awkward thirty minutes of nobody grabbing the bill, so I paid for it. I don't have a problem with that. But then he's like, "Do you want to go to dinner?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So we went to another place to go to dinner, and when the bill came, he he didn't pay. Isn't that <laughs> so like the? So I there? had to pick up the yeah, but I felt that that was I don't know that was so weird, right? It, incredibly, and honestly, like. I think finances are one of the points points that like create the most tension in any relationship or dating. So that's like one of the things that you have to align in terms of your values and expectations pretty early on for there to not be tension. So yeah, finances are so important in a relationship. It can make or break it. Courting and when you first are dating someone, it's kind of like when you're going for interviews for a job and then, you know, you become a a partnership or a relationship. You got the job, right? So yeah. in, in the beginning, I am into the gender roles where men have to pursue you and they have to show their best foot forward. And I already think if a man's already asking you for like half of everything and being very like self-centered in that way where they don't want to like treat you for things, I already think like, wow, like what do I have to expect for the relationship, you know? I- and not that, you know, I'm just kind of traditional in that sense, but everyone, everyone is different. But I do think that men that want to pursue you want to impress you. So just keep that in mind. I just think that if a man asks you out on the very first date, and I I think he should pay for the wine. That's all I'm saying. I agree agree completely. But, you know, unfortunately, like, (laughs) not everyone has the same same (laughs) But But anyway, going back to the book, Mm -hmm. I love this. At the end of the day, we can all pay for our wine, which is great. You say in the book, my hope is to use it for a platform to inspire and accompany women in learning to value and cherish themselves, notably through the ups and downs of dating. What are some of the key takeaways from the book that you can share with our listeners? Yeah. So for me, um, really that we grow and evolve so much through our relationships with others because each person allows us to reveal a different facet of ourselves. And the thing is that through this process of interacting with all these different people and different from different upbringings and whatnot, we learn that I think the most important part is learning to trust your instinct and learning to develop a sense of resilience because it's through this experience that you're going to know right from the start if you're going to get along with someone, if, you're, if there are red flags, if there are things you need to be looking out for. You're also going to learn that the more frequently, unfortunately, that you'll be potentially disappointed by something not working out, the easier it is the next time around. And so in the end, you, you recognize that like I thought maybe a year ago when this, it didn't work out with this one guy that I was heartbroken. It was never, I would never recover. And then you're like, but you know what? I picked myself up. I kept going forward and I ended up meeting other nice people. So in the end, it's like, you can overcome everything. You have all the strength and everything that you have within you to succeed. 
And it's about remembering that and then learning to cherish yourself, yes, so that you don't accept being treated in a way that is not respectful towards you by certain people. Because there are plenty of men and women that, that aren't always thinking of you first, you know? So it all boils down to self-love yeah, um, and confidence. And val- just because yeah, I agree. you your worth, then you won't tolerate a guy that leaves you hanging always until the very last minute and then at 9 p.m. says, oh, what are you doing tonight? Or, you know, just that you'll you'll expect and, and request that someone tries to do things with a little bit more, like, I, I suppose, elegance in the mouth, you know? Yeah, let's bring back elegance. I like that. Yeah, and just knowing that um, if something doesn't work out, it has nothing to do with you. I think I feel like as women, we're so hard on ourselves. Like, oh my God, what did I do? Um, and if it doesn't work out, you have to also think about is this or better? It's always going to get better. And your partner, your ideal partner is out there. You just have to, you know, go through different things. I think sometimes we take it too seriously where we're like already seeing too soon, like, meeting someone that you like, you're like, oh my God, he's going to be my husband. I'm going to have kids. And so then I think the letdown when it doesn't work is it's a lot more, it's harder on yourself because you put so much expectation. You, you created the fairy tale, the dream, and then boom, he decides he wants to swipe right on somebody else. Yeah. And honestly, that's also something that I feel I really experienced in a different way here in France because there seems to be a direct correlation with French men on the first date, how far out they envision their life with you and, plan, and say that and how quickly the entire relationship fizzles out. <laughs> so because there are certain guys in the first one or two or three days, they're literally talking to you about having kids and what school they're going to go to and then having you come meet their parents and all of these things. And they're, whether intentionally or not, planting these ideas in your mind. And then all of a sudden they just sort of realize, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm not really feeling that. I'm like just trying this on for size and it's not going to work out. And then that can feel so much more disappointing. So it's about sort of mentally also preparing yourself and understanding if you can recognize those patterns so that you know not to immediately be like, this is it. This is my Prince Charming. It's all done. You know, I I found the gold, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. (laughs) Yeah. And I also think that, um, that and also not just going by what they say but like their actions action is everything because they could tell you yeah i really like you i want to see you i want to spend time with you but they they don't set up dates and they're not specific about like i want to take you here then it's just really all talk yeah there's a lot of that (laughs) sabrina do you prefer dating frenchmen or american men what what's been what's been the best out of both worlds there so I have for sure a, a very soft, a big soft spot for the Frenchman. Uh. <laughs> like I, I think that 80% of the men I've dated are French. Um, and then while I was in New York, like, you know, I met some Italians, et cetera. So like I've experienced a few different types of cultures in that way. But um, yeah, I prefer the Frenchman because they're just very, I mean, they, they, a lot of them enjoy talking about topics that interest me that many American men don't like about philosophy and art and like, you know, these very romantic things. <laughs> not, not football and uh, video games. So exactly. it's just... <laughs> so I'm sure I feel like it also French make... men are so, so much more confident as well, or um, is that a wrong assumption to make? That's a hard thing to say. Cause I feel like I've met so many overly confident American men that maybe could have taken it down a notch. <laughs> but I think that they just express themselves differently. And, um, and I feel like French men are much more um, comfortable playing the role of the very gallant, you know, romantic. Um, yeah. Oh my God, I have to go to Paris then. I'm telling yeah, you, I'm telling you, Gabby. <laughs> yeah I think my husband may just be in Paris like hello that is what I want I like a gallant manly man that walks in the room and everyone just like stops 
Oh, and, <laughs> I know this is my fairy tale. And that accent, girl. Oh, I know. Believe me. Believe me. <laughs> I just, I just can sit there and be like, just talk to me. I don't care what you're saying. You can be reading an encyclopedia. I'll just, I'll melt. It's good. <laughs> Listen, if it wasn't for all that work you're getting in New York, I do not blame you for staying in Paris. Because Italian men are pretty hot too, and you're just a train away, honey. I know I'm also half Italian though. So <laughs> you were supposed right. to you were supposed to be in Milan this weekend, right? Yeah, exactly. And then with this, I ended up canceling. But um, yeah, Italian men, I, I feel are a little bit like I, I'm going to go on the record saying this, I guess. But um, I feel like they're a little bit more dangerous than the Frenchmen. <laughs> I like danger. <laughs> Because I feel like they have a little bit more of this, um, I guess a little bit more of a macho side and, um, they're yeah. edgy. Yeah. They're very edgy. They're yeah. Rough. Yeah. So, uh, I, I met an Italian guys in the book. So <laughs> yes, everyone has to read the book. There is, it's basically a girl just going through different dates and there's an Italian involved. So I'm definitely excited to read that. And um, let's talk about, let's finish like wrapping the app situation. I'm on apps, COVID's happening. I swipe, swipe, swipe. I think we're all bored. And then we end up talking one word, two words, and then it dies. It's so boring. Like how do we really create connection in these apps without it just being so superficial? So for me, I like, because again, just like you, it gets so dull, just asking the same questions, saying the same things. So I always start off with a joke and I just, I tell myself I'm, I'm here to try to have some fun. So I might as well just, you know, really showcase my playful side. And so either I'll literally just like ask a silly question regarding one of his photos or recently to the one guy, I literally was like, um, we had a photo of this like gorgeous, uh, pool in I don't know some gorgeous place in the in the tropics and I was like okay so I have a proposal how about this weekend we steal a small plane fly out to this tropical place and just like flee lockdown that's my that was my opening and it created this really fun engaging conversation we're just like planning out this whole scenario of being criminal stealing a plane <laughs> much more interesting that I still don't know what he does for a living. <laughs> Maybe he steals planes. <laughs> but you suggest meeting right away, right? To like, see if like, there's that, that, that vibe and that connection in person, right? Well, because of that is not necessarily the best idea or you know possible but at least facetiming as soon as possible just but i think even in the first few messages at least i've gotten to a point where i can sense if we're gonna have chemistry or not and if it, if it's just like not worth pursuing the conversation you know do you think like when they because i just that just happened to me last night which is great research for our conversation um um the guy I met a guy he's cute we're we're vibing it's like a good conversation because you know you know when you're like it's it's flowing yeah. and then he asked for the phone number like hey why don't you send me your phone number so we can be in touch is that like the next step like I don't know if I want to commit to him having my phone number that quick I mean I think if you had if you clearly have that chemistry and that playful banter that it's natural and it's that that he asked for your phone number um I think it's nice to because you can tell so much about a person through their voice as well. And so I like that he asked that only because also you already had time to really have that that connection first, you know? Okay, that's good. Wait, Gabby, did you give him your number or not? Gabby, okay, no, Gabby, we just talked, we just talked about how you got to let the men lead and this guy's showing interest and now you're not giving him your number. Give him your well, number, I girl. Left, I just left him on red, but I'm going to root. I don't know what that means. You left him on red. <laughs> In the app, like meaning I haven't answered him. Okay. Yet. I think you means. should. Um, yeah, but I wanted to talk to Sabrina first. So I was like, <laughs> I'm honored. Don't wait too long. Really, be free. feel free to give him your phone number. You're not committing too much to anything. You're good. <laughs> and you can always block. That's true. <laughs> but okay, so back to okay, the book. Emily yeah. in Paris, everybody knows is like this fabulous show on Netflix. It's getting rave reviews. 
and it's basically i mean everything that's happening in in your book so tell us about that that connection and then the fun story that you have of trying to chase your the producers to the show so um yeah it was really crazy because when i wrote my book a year and a half ago I'd written all the text in that one sitting, as I told you, and that I was moving full force with the illustrations. And a month later, it was announced that the guy that created Sex in the City was going to make a TV show about a 20-something American girl moves to Paris to work in marketing. And I was like, what is going on? Like, the planets have aligned. This is literally the story of my life. Like, I have to get involved. So I did everything I could to reach out to them. And, you know, they didn't bother getting back to me. Um, and then a week before I moved to New York, though, there was this total stranger posted a photo on Instagram tagging Emily in Paris. And I recognized it was their first day of filming where it was exactly. I just ran over there and did everything between I went over there. They were taking down the set. I convinced one of the technicians to tell me where they'd be filming the next day. <laughs> I'd go back like and I was just, you know, I'm showing up there and I'm like, Hi, I am here to meet with your producers. I have content for your show. I had the single copy of my book at that point, and I was just doing everything I could in the most tactful yet sort of, you know, persistent way to get on there. And of course, they refused to take the book. They gave me an email address. In the end, of course, that never works. And so at the very last moment, though, my friend sent me a link that they were casting for the show. And so I applied twice and I actually got accepted. So I was on the show filming literally the story of my life, my very last night in Paris before moving to New York and in the museum where my parents met. So it was just like incredible. Yeah. Wow. So your parents met in a museum in Paris. That's probably why you have this connection there. Do you know that that's like some of my friends joke all the time that that's why I spend so much time in museums. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now this is the fun part, Sabrina. We have to guess your sign, and you are giving me Capricorn or Taurus vibes. Oh, you're so spot on. Really? Nice job, oh, Gabby. Wow. Cow. She's persistent. That she has to be a cow. Yes. Yeah. And she has multiple jobs. She has multiple things that she loves. She's an entrepreneur, and, and Capricorns are super workaholics. And she's just like a, a go-getter. She gave me cat vibes. I was right. Nice. Yeah. What's, when's your actual birthday? What day? January 17th. That's my daughter's birthday. Yeah. 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 She's nine months. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's so cute. I love that. It's so cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really creeping myself out. I'm so good at this. Yeah. <laughs> you really mastered this. <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, okay, if she's not a cap, she's definitely a Taurus, because I'm a Taurus. Um, okay. <laughs> and caps we um Tauruses we get along with Capricorns very much. That's so embarrassing. Like, yeah. and what did you have to do in the show? What, like, what was your part? So I was just filming as an extra and I was asked to come back to do that multiple times for the show, but I given that I was teaching in New York, it was hard for me to fly back just like for a day at a time between classes. Um, and so my goal and my wish is really to write for the second season. And so that's why, like, you know, I made this little video detailing how I got on the show and I literally sent it to members of their team explaining my story, being like, I am so passionate about this. And I know that my life story and everything inspired by the content of this book would be the most ideal fit. And it's literally the most authentic material you can find and it's made for TV and I could not have made this stuff up. <laughs> and a percentage of this. Okay. <laughs> like a very good cap that you are. Get your money. I'm not mad at you. Have I they know. announced, have they announced that they're filming a season two yet? They haven't signed yet for that. So, um, you know, fingers crossed one step at a time. Yes. Um, so yeah. what, what projects Please. are you currently working on right now? So my main business is still my Graphite and Ink, which is my branding, copywriting, and translations company. So I'm still working with a bunch of clients, writing all their ad campaigns, doing positioning strategies and whatnot. And I'm actually, I'm just wrapping up my next book that I wrote. And now I'm planning, I'm working to get published. What, um, can you give us a sneak peek of the title? I can't the title, but I can say it's a book of collected poems. It's essentially this idea of 
this journey to self-love and growth and heartache and, and romance and beauty and all of that. But like, it's a much deeper level than swiping for Prince Charming, which is really fun and light. This is literally like me pouring out my soul. And if you've ever loved someone so intensely, it shook you to your core, then you, you will like feel that I think these words within you, you know? So that's, I just really wanted to do that to, um, to push myself outside my comfort zone because I'm terrified of sharing my poetry because it's my most intimate form of writing. So through COVID, I was like, you know what? Now's the time I have to, I have to do this. So there we go. <laughs> I have one last question for people that, that are listening and maybe mm-hmm. are thinking of taking that risk of just moving to another place, mm-hmm. somewhere unknown, maybe even like, you know, out of the country like you did what is your advice like on taking that leap of faith and just going because apparently you know your life has totally shifted it changed you it it has molded you into the person that you are it has given you so much depth also and and so what would you give as advice just to wrap it up honestly if you think about it too much you're gonna let your fear stop you so i am very much in the the aspect of you see an opportunity you know you want something listen to your gut go for it you will find a way and you will find all all the solutions you need. So just have faith in yourself that if you want something, just go for it and you will make it happen. I love it. That's such a, that's such a reoccurring theme with all the women that are so powerful that we interview like yourself. Everybody says the same thing. It's fear. Fear is what stops you in your tracks. So you just have to go for it. I think you are your own biggest obstacle at the end, you know, because And it can be fear of how others will perceive you, fear of it not working, fear of succeeding, even fear of all these different things. And it's like, just, just try it because you'll regret much more not having taken action than anything else. I love it. Where can people follow you? Where can they reach you? So Instagram is the best way to reach me at sabrina.marzaro, M-A-R-Z-A-R-O. And then my book's Instagram page is at swiping for Prince Charming. And so that's really where I continue all of this, this fun, free-spirited and, and empowering content. Yeah. And where is, your, where is your book currently available for purchase? So it's at Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon. Um, those are the three easiest places to find it. I love it. Maybe we can do a cool book giveaway if you like uh, with our followers. Maybe we can do something cool like that. Definitely, yeah. That, let, let's organize that. I'm happy your to. your book is so beautifully illustrated. Um, it's so captivating. Just I literally, I, I know that this is like terrible to do, but I want to rip out the pages and frame them. That's how beautiful it is. <laughs> it's so pretty. Great no, job yeah. on that. I actually I have my illustrations at some point I'm probably gonna have them framed so. you should you should totally should put them all over your house they're so yeah. beautiful thank you thank Sabrina you. thank you for sliding into our dms and <laughs> making this happen we saw your story and it really like we were like man we want to talk to her she's such a go-getter I love thank it thank you so much I I love what you guys are building. And honestly, I'm so honored to be a part of this. So thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much. For sure. Thanks everyone for listening. And next time I will be in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Bye everyone. Till next time. Thank you everyone. Till next time. Bye-bye. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh yeah.